Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, we look at Lesson 12 of the Sabbath School Quarterly, a message worth sharing. Join us as we prepare for Sabbath, September 19th, and looking at the three angels' messages and how they still remain relevant for us to proclaim today. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast, and this week we're looking at Lesson 12 uh, for September 19th. A message worth sharing, and indeed it is worth a message worth sharing. One of the foundational texts uh, uh, of the Seventh-day Adventist Church found in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, is our memory text this week. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, and saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him. For the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who has made the heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Amen. Now, I don't think you can get anything more classic Adventism than than this passage of Scripture. No, it's, it's very <laughs> true. <laughs> and I think it sets us uh, forward for the correct trajectory for the rest of the lesson. A message worth sharing, yeah. indeed. Yeah, the three angels' messages, Revelation 14, contains our our identity uh, more than any other passage of Scripture, and it tells us what our message is. And I I like, you know, starting out with this text, it it says proclaiming the everlasting gospel. So it's not something new or different, but it's certainly a a message of emphasis uh, proclaiming uh, the good news of salvation uh, more clearly than has ever been done before in Earth's history. Amen. And there's an aspect I, I just shared with the class here recently of of seeing God as our creator. We see him there as creator, why we're worshiping him as well. And it contains so much in there for us. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, diving right in on Sunday's message, we come to a familiar passage. We've been through this passage a couple of times, especially last quarter on, on the inspiration of the Bible and so on uh, that talks about where we find this message and uh, it turns us, uh, to Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 12, and he writes there, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. So, you know, why are we covering this material? Well, because we need to be reminded of them, and every generation needs to be reminded of that, that we have basically a present truth, that we have something relevant to say to uh, the world in which we live. Yeah, and it's as pointy as there. It shows us there. And I don't know about you, but I oftentimes have to be reminded to do things that I know I should do, right? <laughs> I was. <laughs> you mean, I, I thought I was the only one, Buster. <laughs> yeah, I was leaving out, uh, was it Wednesday morning? Was it, no, Thursday morning. My wife's like, do you remember the trash? Oh, yeah, that's right. Trash runs on Thursday, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I had the same problem this week as well. I, I thought I put in an order for some stuff to pick up, some groceries to pick up, and I forgot to hit the order button, Buster. <laughs> I <forgot. laughs> actually showed up at the time I thought I would be there, and they're like, we don't have that order. So um, I guess we all need a little, at least I need 
need that gentle reminding. So I'm, I'm thankful God's so patient with us. Yes, he is. And, <laughs> and he, he's constantly pulling us and showing us and saying, don't forget, remember, right? Con- continually to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things we need to be reminded about, and this is one of the emphases of this, this lesson here, is this idea of present truth. Um, that kind of, you know, the early Christians, you've been covering this in one of my classes, you know, Gnosticism, this kind of secret knowledge as if, you know, God, if, if you secretly understanding some hidden message in the Bible or some hidden code, some people have made, you know, a lot of money off of uh, some kind of Bible or hidden biblical code. Uh, and the Bible is not like that at all. It's clear, and uh, but every generation has a special purpose, uh, and that's what this present truth is, and that's kind of what we're going to get it, at, you know, looking at from different angles uh, this week. Uh, but right here we are reminded in, by Peter again, just a couple verses later, uh, that we've not been following cleverly devised stories or fables, some translation says, but we are actual eyewitnesses of his majesty. And and then verse 19, we have a prophetic message as something, and I'm reading from the NIV, by the way, as something completely reliable, and you would do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. And so, um, again, we have something reliable that we can trust, and that's God's word, his prophetic messages, especially as we look uh, closer and closer to the end of time when Christ is about to come, that we have something we can depend upon. Amen. You know, and as I hear you saying that, we can depend on that. And one thing that we can certainly depend upon that there are churches taught for so long, but I know we're we're tired of, uh, of just talking about it. We're looking for the blessed hope to come, which is Monday's lesson, Revelation's end time focus. And that end time focus is Christ coming once again. Uh, Revelation 1, 7 kind of summarizes it all together. It it brings up, says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. And all these texts are are mentioned here are mentioning Christ coming back. And what's interesting to me is he's coming back in the way that uh, the Jewish nation wanted Jesus to return uh, the first time. Uh, they wanted him to come as the mess, uh, messianic king who's going to come and overthrow, right? Well, this time he really is coming with that power. And uh, this time we're not mixing up the first coming with the second coming, though. And it's important for us to not lose hope and for us to hold on to this and know that what God says to come true will actually come true. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think for a lot of people, you know, Revelation is something kind of scary to think about end time events and how difficult those end times are going to be. The Bible describes those kinds of things, the, the time of trouble. I was just reading in um, Ellen White's writings yesterday. She says, you know, that's not to be a preoccupation. We're not supposed to worry about that. No. Um, and basically, I'm paraphrasing, but basically the idea that, you know, we need to focus on listening up Jesus and, and making sure people see Jesus. And, and that's really what, you know, this end time, and I like that Christ-centered approach this lesson's taking here to end time events. Amen. You know, and, and I, I love, and there's a, a reason why I have the intentionality of saying our blessed hope coming through the class of glory, because that's what he is. Uh, he's not our blessed fear, right? <laughs> he's our blessed hope. We, right. we are looking forward to a reunion. To. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you bringing that out. And it kind of correlates with our Tuesday's lesson, Revelation's end time message. Uh, what do you have to share with us there, Michael? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, again, back to, you know, our scripture text that we had, and uh, it's just the heart of the Adventist message is found in these three angels' messages of Revelation 14. And I think it's important for our listeners to, you know, I, I can't help myself but throw in a little Adventist history, but, you know, the, the founding of our church in the 19th century that, you know, they saw these messages as having a lot of relevance to what they were uh, proclaiming. And so they saw themselves first proclaiming the good news that Christ is about to return. And, um, and so in the midst of that, um, that, that's proclaiming the everlasting gospel, and that Jesus, the same Jesus that died for us, is about to come in the clouds of glory. So that's really um, Revelation 14 right there. Um, you know, uh, the first angel's message, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come to reap, for the harvest is ripe. In other words, you know, Christ is about to come, the harvest is ripe, get ready. And then, uh, then you have a second angel's message that talks about how um, Babylon is fallen. And so, um, and you see how other churches oppose that message. Uh, and then, then there's the third angel that talks about, you know, going forth again. Um, and so here is this in, in, in vivid detail in, in the symbolism of Revelation 14. Um, but what I think that a lot of people miss out is this essential point at the beginning is that all of it's framed within the context of the everlasting gospel of sharing who uh, Christ is. And just a beautiful message that we have, a prophetic message. And and so because we have this message, um, it should give us a sense of humility that we have a responsibility to share that good news with others. Whoa, Michael, what, if I, what I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying, you're telling us that it is the purpose for which God has called the Adventist church and not for salvation yeah. that actually gives us the, the drive to continue on. Precisely. All right. I love that. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, Revelation 14, especially verse 6, which is fear God and give reverence to him, uh, Wednesday's lesson, it talks a little bit more about understanding God's message more fully. And it tells us this, and this is, this is I love how Mark Finley's tying this all together. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is, for this is man's all. For God will bring every yeah. good work into judgment, including the secret thing, whether good or evil. And it asks this question, it says, how, how does this verse help us to understand what it means to both fear God and give glory to him? You know, as I was looking at it and thinking about it, it makes it very clear. You know, there's there's no getting around it. There there is a judgment. Uh, I know a lot of people say, "Well, yeah. God God doesn't judge." Like, no, he he does. It's just that he has given mm-hmm. us the way out. He has given us the ability to confess and for our sins that were scarlet to become white as snow. That is through Jesus Christ. And so when uh, yeah. looks at it, when he's looking for our sins and it says covered by the blood of the Lamb, there's nothing there, right? But we also have the choice not to have Jesus Christ in our lives, for him not to be Lord of our lives. And when that happens, well, then guess what? Our sins are like scarlet and they stay as scarlet. And Revelation 14 is telling us not only just give God uh, your your sinful nature, but also give God your worship. Give God your everything. And when you do out of love, mm. you will keep his commandments, which is what he tells us in John uh, in, in the book of John, John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, and I, I think this kind of dovetail, you know, the, the idea that, you know, at the very end of time, God's 
people have a special message that they're passionate about. But it's also a warning message because God wants us to be ready. Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with your picture of God. If God is, you know, some kind of harsh, you know, judge up there and just waiting to condemn, I, I think a lot of people have that view of God. And, and I think that's actually nothing could be further from the truth of the Word of God, the uh, Scripture that I see, that we have a loving Father in Heaven that doesn't want anyone to perish, but for all to have everlasting life, you know? And so there's these very clear messages that are there, but uh, and I think Thursday kind of takes us a little step further in saying, you know, um, there there will be a judgment at the end, but at the end of time, when, when that judgment takes place, it's not that God wants to finally have to do that, but God also respects our individual choice and lets us choose without forcing us. And, and that's what an amazing, loving God we have, that He doesn't force us. And um, at, at the end, finally, when it comes down to it, some people will choose sin and selfishness and all of that instead of uh, what God has to offer. And I, you know, um, it's going to be utterly tragic, uh, which is why God wants us to do everything we can to get people's attention, to warn them so that they realize the significance of what's going to take place. I, does that make sense? Am I on tar- target here, Michael, Roger? that makes complete sense. And uh, the point I was just about to bring up, you just brought up, and I, I want to reiterate it, which is, you know, we like mm-hmm. to look at the three angels' messages. Uh, I preached on this before, and I had a, a gentleman who's about 92 years old. He was recently baptized into the church, and he said, yeah. what what year do you think those angels are going to appear in the middle of heaven and start yelling out these messages? <laughs> wow. And I said, you know what? Come back next week. I'm going to explain a little bit more. And he came back the next week and I explained that we are the messengers. Yes, the angels are crying yeah. out and they're moving with us, but we are the proclaimers of these messages to bring as many people into the fold as possible, which ties in with Revelation 18:4. Come out of her, my people, right? Uh, there's sheep that are not yeah. yet of this fold. There are sheep that are in the Adventist church and yet are not a part of the fold yet, right? So we're proclaiming this message, yeah. these messages to bring people back to Christ. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not being a, a, a member of a denomination or even a member of the Seventh-day Adventist church. It's actually knowing Jesus Christ for yourself. Uh, but, but that should give us a heightened sense of our responsibility um, at, at the very end of time. So By far. Um, I. You know, then this warning message really is highlighted once again. I mean, we keep coming back to this chapter, and it's because we can't underestimate, in my opinion, the significance of Revelation 14 for our Adventist identity. I mean, our just it's, it's just right there. It's the essence of who we are, and and at the as part of that, verse eight kind of talks about that second angel's message about Babylon being fallen. Really, this this idea of Babylon is. This idea of confusion, this yes. idea that um, there is something Satan, you know, whatever is the truth, there's the counterfeit, Satan's trying to uh, create a false system of worship. And I think that's really the heart of why we have so many people that have a skewed or a some kind of flawed understanding of, of who God is. Oh, it's very true, and that's why... Uh, Satan has his counterfeit and God has his real. And we could have uh, a lot of time trying to figure out counterfeits. But the best way to figure out the counterfeit is by focusing in on the true. And that's by giving our worship to, to God and to God alone. Yeah. And and, and at the very end of time, the, the climax really is two competing understandings of, of God, uh, who God is. 
Satan's accusing God, saying, you're a harsh, vindictive, you know, just not worthy of, of worship. And then yet God's trying to reveal through the life of the person, Jesus, his death. He says, and, and for the, the third of the three angels' messages is found in verses 9 through um, nine through 12 here. Um, but it, at the end of it, um, you know, verse 9, it says, if any man worship the beast's image, so worship and who one worships is at the heart of the three angels' messages. And then, of course, there's this warning and this very different warning of what happens for those who do worship the false or the, the, uh, the untrue. And then at the very end, verse 12, here is, this is one of my favorite passages of the three angels. This Amen. Is the key verse. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. And, and this is just so classic. Um, the patience of the saints. This yeah. is how we describe God's people. You, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that right before here in Revelation 14, 1 through 5, it's talking about the 144,000. So you have your choice here. Yeah. And the 144,000, I love it in verse 4, uh, it's saying that these are the ones who are not to follow with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow yeah. the Lamb wherever He goes. Those are the ones with the patience. Those are the saints. Those are the people that yeah. God has called us to be, yeah. to have that character, to have those characteristics. Yeah, and, and it's interesting to me that the early Christian church, I was reading a book on the patient ferment of the early Christian church. Um, the patience was described as the virtue that most set apart Christians from the secular Roman world of their time. And it's intriguing to me that the early church was described in this way and that God end-time people are described also in this way. And some people say, well, the early pioneers, that was a long time ago. How come it's been so long? Well, um, it's because we have a very loving and patient God. So on the grand scheme of all eternity, this will be but just a blip. And so, but here we are, um, and we're described, where God's people are described as having the patience of the saints. And so we're urged to be patient so that we can utilize the time that we are given to share God's love, mercy, and goodness to us. Amen. I don't think there's a better way to end than with that, you know, remembering that patience, that endurance that we're called to have, and, and remembering, it, and it's a cheerfulness that we're, we're having it with, of just remembering what God has done for us. Amen. Well, I think that's a wrap for another week. Yes, sir. So this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing out. Signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.